0: Welcome to the Avenue Community Churches podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. Uh, We're going to read the whole 1 Corinthians 16, all 99 verses. Amen. I just got 24, but you can stand with me. Uh, You can read it from the screen. You can pull it up on your phone. Um. just listen to me and I apologize if there's some discrepancy in the version I'm reading from my own translation this evening amen I see y'all not ready to laugh this evening that's all right so now about the collection for the Lord's people do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of every week each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your your income saving it up so that when I come no collections will have to be made Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia and perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective ministry has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. And no one then should treat him with contempt, send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus, were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit your to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus and Fortunatus and Icacus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you, for they refresh my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Hey, you do know, um, I was listening to a sermon on uh, revelations, and um, you do know that... Uh, essentially, there was no amplification uh, back in, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, um, you know, AD or whenever, BC, AD, one of these, these, whatever. But anyway, right? And so, uh, the ways that um, um, uh, uh, the sermons would be given, or at least one part of the sermon package, is Timothy and these people that Paul is talking about, who, this, this network of people who are traveling around with letters and responding, they would get them there. They would get the whole community of faith. They'd be sitting around the house or they'd be sitting around whatever temple or whatever space they have, and they would literally just read these letters out loud. And everybody just sit and they just, mm mm-hmm, yeah, hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. You know, I, 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 something's funny coming to mind. The best film that ever existed is, um, I'm dropping the name now, Psych Life. And uh, if you are, <laughs> if you're at all interested in a cultural education, I would just encourage you uh, to watch the movie Life, Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Uh, there's one famous scene where um, they're sitting down, and it's the worst letter that could possibly be read, but everybody's sitting on the yard. They're taking a break, and there's about 50 of them sitting there. And one person just reading the mail, and, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, man, that's good, that's good. And it, it's a funny story because uh, eventually he opens the letter, and he's like, well, you know, buddy, your mama died in, uh, back in '92. And then your sister died in 05. And then your other brother and sister died. And so all these people died. And then, so there's only one person who could read. And so then they asked the brother, well, hey, anybody want me to read the more of their mail? Everybody said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry. So that a funny. But anyway, they would sit in these uh, communities, these congregational covenant communities, and they would have these letters, and they would read them audibly out loud. Um, we're at the end. This is 1 Corinthians 16. You only get 16 chapters. And we have started... <laughs> Started from the top, now we're here at the end of this letter. <laughs> I don't know why I got these funnies going on in me. I'm sorry y'all, but anyway. Uh started from the bottom, now we're here. Anyway. But uh we're at the conclusion of this letter. And so uh once again, um there there is a a a reason why um, you know, We call it canonicity. Why did certain letters, um, why were they approved to be in the Bible, right? There's many letters that were circulated. We know even as I preached on 1 Corinthians, there's a lost letter uh, that we know Paul wrote to the Corinthians that we just don't know about, right? But why did this one get preserved? Um, because there are some things about this, some enough elements that the early church fathers said, hey man, you know, these are some important details that all of the of the people of God throughout all of time, they need to hang on to, right? And so uh, one of the things that I think are really cool about the end and how he concludes this thing in 16, he has dealt with cliques and factions in Corinth he's dealt with um how do we handle food that is offered to idols he's dealt with questions about morality in the church hey man what do we do with this brother who's sleeping with his mother-in-law hey we've dealt with issues of sexuality and how that impacts the church and and how we should conduct our marriages we've systematically kind of walked through a bunch of different things and so now he's done right? He's done answering these bullet lists of issues and now he just kind of, it's almost like he digresses and concludes what maybe is most important. Maybe what he wants to make sure above anything they all hold on to and it could have went in any letter to any group of people at any time. And so really, Paul is discipling the church of Corinth into a culture of kingdom mindedness and kingdom connection. That's it. That's the sermon, right? He's discipling the church of Corinth into kingdom-mindedness and kingdom connection. And that's all I want to talk to you about today. It's just really two big points with a couple sub points in there. So let's, where do we see this business about kingdom advancement? First of all, we know that Paul was the OG church planter, right? Um, and, and, and he's the, the, really the one who has jumped off a lot of these different movements. And se- essentially, Corinth was a part of the original church planting network, right? During Paul's second missionary journey, he left Athens and he took a detour to Corinth. There, he meets some really cool people. He meets uh, Priscilla and Aquila, right? And, uh, in Acts 18 which was so ironic because when he gets there in Corinth they're at their house they are displaced Jews who really got displaced from Italy we believe that the tradition whoever was in charge at that time displaced many Jews um, from the Roman Empire at that time and they have now landed in Corinth and now as they are here in Corinth they're just kind of huddled up and hanging out Paul connects with them he finds out and they find out oh bro you make tents I make tents too yeah and so they actually welcome Paul into their home. Paul then begins to disciple them. And guess what happens after discipleship? A beautiful community of faith begins to grow around them. Paul sends word to his homie. I believe this is uh, Timothy and Silas and them or some other folks. They come to Corinth. They set up there for about two years. Paul preaches every Sabbath in the middle of the temple and they do kingdom work, y'all. They do kingdom work. It's so crazy how it all happens and it comes. And very much this church at Corinth knows that they are part of kingdom legacy. They know that there was no gospel presence in Corinth before Paul showed up and before that beautiful couple welcomed them in. They know that they are the result of intentional kingdom-mindedness and kingdom advancement. So that's how we begin this thing. And Paul is always traveling because he's always setting up these new churches. He's always writing back to them to care for them, to help them sort out different issues. And he's also pastoring their leaders. Paul is a kingdom-minded man, and he's discipling people who will also be kingdom-minded, especially as it relates to their giving. This was so crazy that Terrence just got up here and prayed that he already read my sermon. He stole my outline, right? But you see in the first four verses, Paul's talking about giving. How do we, how, what's one way that we could verify that you are about the kingdom? Hey, let's talk about your giving. He says, verse one, now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do, right? And this is really crazy because he's telling them, Paul is telling them, I told y'all set aside money, push away from Elwoods, put a little sum back, stop buying so many J's, right? Hey, and save some money and have it ready when I come through, right? Now, we believe that there is something happening in the church of Jerusalem and they are pooling. Paul has uh, 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 spoken to the church at Galatia and all the other churches in the network. They're pooling this money to be able to help another group of believers who are in need so that they're pooling money so that they can help another group of believers who are in need, not period, so that they can continue to advance the kingdom. You want to know if you're a kingdom-minded Christian? We always say it, but let's, let's, let's talk about your giving. I just want to ask you a couple things, which is so strange. First of all, I think there's a really strange uh uh um kind of idea of what it looks like to pastor right and what it looks like to lead so you know uh uh, uh um you know In in this modern era, and I believe there's been a whole bunch of men of God and women of God who've done the office of pastoring a disservice. And I think they've created trauma that makes you distrust people who probably stand in the pulpit. It probably makes you uh, very suspicious of the people um, who would act as spiritual leaders and guides over you. But I find it strange that when Paul is talking to them, he's like, hey, would y'all please give? Mm Mm-mm. He's like, look, if you want to, mm mm. Paul's like, hey, I know I'm responsible for you. I know I'm giving oversight for your soul, Hebrews. I'm pastoring pastors. Hey, we need to give. We need to do. It's really, I just, I want you to go back, maybe in some fun, some other time, and ask yourself, truly, are you a person who is being shepherded in your life? I just want you to ask yourself a question in your private time. Are you a person who has actually placed yourself under the authority of biblical leadership? I would just suggest to y'all, some of you all have not crossed that threshold. Some of you all, the avenue is your intellectual biblical stimulation, but it's not the place where you get shepherded. And that's okay. But you got to acknowledge that and then you gotta wrestle with it. Is that something I need? Is that a biblical standard? Is that something I should have? Because that's what Paul is doing here. He's got people who's entrusted to, and he's leading them. Are you someone who wants to be led? Are you somebody who allowed yourself to be led? Just a question. You don't have to throw anything at me yet. Amen. Lights and walls. Thank you. Let me ask you a couple questions about your giving. Do you give to the Lord's people or to his work directly? I know there's a lot of, once again, trauma and a lot of craziness around giving. You only give when there's a need or whatever. I don't know. There's a lot of different triggers for why people give or don't give. But I'm just asking, do you give to where you see kingdom work happening? Do you give directly to the Lord and his work? Is your money your own or can it be pastored? Can the financial aspect of your life be pastored? That's what Paul is doing with the church at Corinth and many others. And do you give sacrificially? Or do you only give out of your surplus? I got a little something to spare, so I'll give you a little something, Lord, to the one who gave his all for you. You can know if you're kingdom-minded, if you're a kingdom-minded giver, I love the commitment to evangelism, right? These people understand without a shadow of a doubt Um, that they are a church that has been planted. This church didn't exist before they got there Um, and that's essentially why the church exists and so I think even the church people have understood that we have to also be committed to seeing God's word and the glorious gospel spread, right? And so Paul is always baking this into his lifestyle and in the rhythm he's imitating this for them I think so that they can continue to reciprocate and model this in their own life go look at verse 8 and verse 9 he's like look I want to stay with y'all I really 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 want to stay with y'all and I want to spend time with y'all I don't want to just pass through but what is the predominant focus of Paul's life evangelism He said, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. And more than I want your fellowship, more than I want to be in the community of brothers, I have got to take full advantage of opportunities where kingdom can be advanced. Is that what your life bleeds for? Someone who I love very much read me the 12 traditions of AA. And I was really captivated by one of them. He says that each group has but one primary purpose in AA, and that is to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. I wonder if in your Christian 101 DNA, right at the top of it, Do you believe that it is your sole responsibility to carry the message of what you have believed to anybody who is still suffering from the effects of the fall? Do you let it weigh on you? Do you let it lay on you? Or have you outsourced that to people who have special extroverted gifts and they're the evangelists or they're the people who do it? Or do you share this body, do you share this burden with the whole body of Christ? that I'm looking for effective doors. And when there are opportunities to advance the kingdom, I don't care what I got going on, I gotta step in there. This is what Paul's life demonstrates. Then look at the people who they commend. Skip down to verse 15. He says, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. Do they say that about your family? Could they say that about you? The man, you know what? Josh committed, giving his life to the service of the Lord's people. Would they say that about Rachel? Hey, committed. We don't know much else about them. We don't know how they make their money. We don't know what they drive. Committed to the service of the Lord's people. This is what Paul says about Stephanus and his crew, right? That... He says in later on in verse 15, I urge you, brothers and and sisters, submit to them. You know what that is? I think that is just good old-fashioned imitation discipleship. Whatever you, whatever Stephanus and his crew is doing, you do it. Do y'all have some good Christian heroes? Do you? Do you got some people's like, man, I might not be what they got. I might not be who they are. I might not have going on what they got going on, but it is clear to me that whatever they're doing, they are producing fruit. And I, if I could make my life be like any life, I want it to be like theirs. Do you have people who you want some of their mantle of anointing to pass on to you? That don't have nothing to do with shame. That don't have nothing to do with covenant. I mean, uh, with coveting. That doesn't have anything to do with an assessment of whether or not you are valuable in the kingdom of God. But we all should have people who were chasing. They got it. I want it. It's so ironic. We getting ready to send the Brandons on. It's like, yo, man, Stephanus, they crew. Hey, man. Bro, whatever they was doing, I just cannot do. Don't mean they perfect. Don't mean they without sin. But we all should be having people in our lives who are bearing fruit, who we are trying to model our lives after. Where are your faith heroes? And I love how Paul, at the close of his letter, he's commending Stephanus and his whole household. He says, submit to them. And then he says in verse 18, that Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Icacus, these people, they deserve recognition. And let me tell you something. I'm going to be really quick to call out sin wherever I see it trying to hide and huddle at the avenue because I'm a sin buster. Boom, 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 boom. But by God's grace, as long as I have breath, Wherever we see fruit blossoming and people living their lives where the kingdom is the priority, we're going to always do our best to honor you and recognize you and bless you because we love you and we thank you for what you're doing for our Lord. Amen, somebody. Maybe this week, just as as a place of encouragement, if somebody has been a blessing to your life, they have sown into you spiritually. You have benefited from the fruit of them being attached to the vine called Jesus. Why don't you just send them a little note? Say, brother, I see your labor. Sister, thank you for what you do. And I just want to tell you, I love you. And you are exemplifying Christ in his kingdom to me. Why don't you just take a pause this week and honor somebody. Give some recognition. So it's kingdom advancement. You could tell somebody who's devoted to this kingdom, follow their pocketbook. You could tell who's devoted to the kingdom, follow the, the way that they move. Are they driven by gospel doors being opened and opportunity? You can tell if people are kingdom advancers because they've given their lives over to the service of the Lord. And that's what we celebrate. Kingdom connection. It oozes. The fraternal nature of the kingdom of God just oozes out of this passage. It's, you cannot ignore it. Brothers and sisters are mentioned over five times in this passage. Listen just to a couple. Verse 7, For I do not want to see you now in making only a passing visit, Paul says to the church at Corinth. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. Can I just pause for a second? How, where, check yourself. Run a diagnostic. Where is your affection for the body of Christ? Where is it? Is it, is it? is it two? Is it eight? Where is it? Where is it? Because I think part of, and you'll see it later, part, let me just read it. Hey, he's urging, this is Apollos in verse 12. He's urging pa- Apollos. He's like, yo, I told Apollos to get over there and go get with the other brothers and sisters in Christ. He's discipling that. Do you disciple people to love and cherish the covenant family? All you want to do is tell them scriptures. I wonder if you're discipling them to understand part of what we do. I'm looking at the islands. I'm looking at the brands. I'm looking at all of us who have multiple kids. We know that a part of what we spend a whole lot of time doing, you don't treat your brother like that. You can't be underneath this roof and have disdain openly for your other siblings. We're going to disciple you to love them and to lay your life down for them. You think, look at what he's saying about Timothy, right? He says, hey, verse 10, when Timothy comes, now you know Timothy, his baby boy. It's so crazy. We getting ready to send our kids on summer vacation, and I got aunties, uncles, and cousins, and all them down there. and, And when I send my babies, now I'm entrusting you with my baby. Paul, I'm sending Timothy to you. And what's he say? He says, look, when he comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear. While he is with you for it. Why? What is uniting all these people together, y'all? The work of the Lord. The work of the Lord. He says, let nobody treat him with contempt." Send him on his way in peace that he may return to me. You better take care of my baby. Once again, have mercy. Preach myself out my microphone. Where is your affection for the body of Christ? Even in that first verse where Paul is like, hey, man, I don't even want to pass. I want to spend time. Do you even have time to, to, to entertain, to be around the body of Christ? right? Do you even have time? Do you even have space for us? Man, you know, uh, I'd love to, but I'm speaking to the Johnsons, first and foremost. Do you have space to welcome and to be welcomed and to be loved on by the body of Christ? I think it is worth it to start trimming the fat in your life so you can create space to connect with your covenant family. Trim it. It's worth it. Do you even want to be with your covenant family? Do you even? Let's just start right there. Some of y'all, it's like if there's just a preference meter. Hey, she's been my best friend for 20 years and we walked through college and med school together and all this and all that and at my lowest and great. Now I know she doesn't love the Lord, but you know what? She's there. I hear you. I hear you. But at what point, at what point does the new life? you have in Christ, create a new fraternal web of relationships. I'm just asking, how is your affection? Do you want to be with other people who have been saved by God's blood, who live so radically and peculiarly different from the rest of the world that you know they're the only other people who can get you and your aims in life? And if you're not feeling that, then I, you come talk. Because that's what the new life in Christ creates for us is a tension. That we are in so much tension because of the radical conversion that we actually long for other people who actually get us. Bruh, yeah, man, I want to keep myself uh, until I'm married. Dude, you're stupid. Where are the other brothers on campus? Where are they at? Who I could just... Bro, can we just link up? Because they, they don't understand me over there. Do you have that tension? Do you feel? And do you long for people who have the same heartbeat as you and who can understand why you move and do the things you do? That's what the new life created. It's this connection. So this is what Paul is talking about locally, but I, I actually love the fact that, he kind of closes the letter with really how it should be, you know, with the big C church globally, verse 19. Paul, once again, he is the church planting network director, and he's got, he's got his uh, fingers on the pulse of all the churches, and he says, hey, the church is in the province of Asia. We send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla, I don't even know if you call it a church, but they meet in the house, and they, and guess what? They, they send warm regards and greetings. And so, and so also are the brothers and sisters. They send you greetings, and they greet one another with a holy kiss. All of you all, do you see this connection? It's not even just locally, but it's also the big C church. Paul is connecting all of them. And, and it, he says it even so more, more so emphatically, the connection with the big C church. I believe that Paul dictated most of or all of 1 Corinthians. So this is when you get to verse 21. This is a change. Paul is letting you know this is not dictated anymore. I'm actually writing this. And what does Paul say? I, Paul, I write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord... Let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, I know that is not the type of warm, fuzzy gospel that you would get if you went to Christian camp and you went to Salty and all the other little stuff. Jesus loves everybody. This is just Paul's emphasis on the fact, y'all, we are not universalists. This letter was not addressed to everybody. This uh, this letter, all 16 chapters, were only addressed to people who had fallen to their knees, who knew that they were leading their life away from what they were created to do, and that the only way that they could be made right with God is through believing on the work of Christ. Then they knew it was for them, and that God wouldn't just leave it at forgiveness. that he was going to live in them by his Spirit. This is for those people. And what Paul is saying is really, it's already a foregone conclusion. There ain't nothing else to be said because those who are not the Lord's are cursed anyway. But here's the good news for those of y'all who are in the room who are like, well, what's that mean for me? Because I don't love Jesus. But you can. It's an exclusive fraternal club Christianity, but it also has its doors wide open. But here's the problem you know and i know even though those doors are wide open few people are willing to place their faith in jesus and live under his lordship but whenever you ready whenever you ready baby I don't care whether we have in service or whether you just got done having the worst night, binging all types of sexual immorality on IG and Facebook, and you fall to your knees and realize that you are drowning, strangled in your sin, but that Jesus will forgive anyone and can empower anyone. At that moment, you can be welcomed into this covenant family. I want you to know it. You don't even have to have no preacher there with you. You say, Lord, you're it, I'm wrong, you are right, I want to live for you. You can be welcomed in to this family. Some of you all, as a matter of fact, I think, you know, while the whole chapter 16 is not a a specific pitch for uh, justification and and coming, finding uh, the atoning work of Christ for your life, I do think some of y'all, as we preach this today, are looking for a community that actually have bonds that are thicker than ethnicity or political party, where truly people in Corinth and Athens and Galatia and Achaia, they can be connected by faith in Christ. Do you want to be a part of that? Or do you want to participate in the regular social systems and tribalism of this world? I believe you see today in the scripture that God's kingdom is comprised of something completely and totally different. Come be a part. I believe you see today that don't you want to be a part of, you, you know, we, we laugh and joke about our sports teams. But guess what? Our sports teams are really trash. They really are, because guess what? Nobody really cares and it has no eternal value. Don't you want to be a part of a mission that actually has value? It means everything. Some of y'all are like, I don't even get into sports. Cool, you don't ever have to. Get in the kingdom. You don't ever have to want to. This is worth so much more to that because all of our heroes will die and go to the grave. Oh, but if you're in Christ Jesus, our hero lives, y'all. Come find purpose beyond all imagination here in Christ's kingdom where we don't care if you graduated cum laude. We don't care if you have your bachelor's. We don't care about any of that because you can also be mighty and have value in this kingdom. You can be like Stephanus and you can be like Fortunatus and you can be people who bring value in ways that the world would just snuff his nose at. Oh, you can have meaning and purpose here. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And be a part of this transcendent community and have a transcendent reason for living that will go on past your life in other generations. You want to end on that? Are you a part of that? And do you want to be? Because you can.